Good morning. So glad to be with you again uh, today. Thank you for joining us. I will uh, point you to the outline that's at the end of the uh, service bulletin. You can follow along the message. Uh, and I'll also tell you that you can get those on our website. There's a link, and that's a good place to get them before our uh, services if you'd like to do that. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are able to do abundantly beyond what, what we can ask or even imagine. And we pray according to that great promise that you would speak to us right now, that we would be able to hear your voice and that you would do in us the work that you long to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I agreed to my first and only blind date for one reason. Uh, my sister told me some wonderful things about a young woman named Claire. After nearly 40 years of marriage, um, I now know a lot more than a few wonderful things about Claire. I know from experience how wonderful she is. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was after something similar for the Christians in Ephesus. And he wrote this, I pray that you may have the power to know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He wanted them to know this, to own it for themselves. He prays that they would know beyond knowledge, and that's not double talk, although it might sound like it is. Paul wants them to have more than an entry-level faith. He wants them to have something that can only be gained by experience. This is the very same thing that Jesus offers to us when he talks about this famous image of the good shepherd, and he claims to be the good shepherd of his own sheep. What Jesus says helps us to grasp that often used but rarely explained cliche about a personal relationship with Jesus. My aim today is to invite you to reflect on some of the incredible benefits that Jesus offers to his sheep. They come from knowing that he is our good shepherd. And the first is this, there on your outline. By knowing Jesus the good shepherd, we can feel full acceptance. We can feel acceptance. Claire's dad used to tell a story about being sick and in the hospital. The doctor came in with a very solemn look on his face and he said, Jim, there's some bad news from your x-ray. You have a serious condition. And his, his heart sank, and he started to feel terrible. And then he said, wait a minute. I didn't have an x-ray. <laughs> that bad news was for somebody else. And Jim began to feel better instantly. As long as Jim believed that bad thing was true, his emotions followed. But new truth about good news brought new feelings. In the same way, what we believe about ourselves shapes how we feel about ourselves. And what we believe about God shapes how we feel about Him. If we want to know full acceptance, we need help with both of those things. Which, think about yourself for just a moment. 
you don't, um, I don't, consistently live up to our own standards, do we? So we become experts at self-criticism. There are a few people, maybe they're more mature or maybe they're sociopaths who are free from this. But my experience as a pastor is that just gobs and gobs of us battle with a running inner commentary of harsh critiques and judgments. And when somebody else criticizes us, it feels like they're piling on and we get hurt and we get defensive. Our moods rise or fall based on our own verdicts or the verdicts of other people. The facts that we know about ourselves can make us feel unacceptable. On top of that, all humans are born with a conscience. All humans. I'm not just talking about religious people. And this gives us an inner, an inner awareness that we read about in Hebrews chapter 4 that says that everything about us is naked and exposed before our maker. God knows every shameful thought, every selfish deed we've done for a lifetime. And the default mode of our hearts is to expect God to treat us just as harshly as we treat ourselves. If we can't accept ourselves, how can we possibly find God's acceptance? Well, the Good Shepherd tells us. Look at verse 14. It says, I know my own. Jesus knows us. Jesus knows everything about us. And yet, look at what he says in verse 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life. God is grieved, but he is not surprised by our failures. And I hope you know that he calls us sheep, Jesus does, not because we're cute and cuddly. No, it's not a compliment. Sheep are not very smart. They can't protect themselves. And without a shepherd, their appetites leave them, lead them wandering right into self-destructive trouble. We sheep are so messed up that God had to enter human history in Jesus, the Son of God, to fix us at the cost of his own life. But here's the good part. We're so valuable to him, he did it. He chose to do that. It seems counterintuitive, but self-acceptance begins with admitting our sheepness, our tendency to go the wrong way. Um, and when we get specific about that, which we'll do in just a few, few minutes, uh, the ways that we wandered, we call that confession. We bring that to the Lord. Then when you're criticized, even if it's undeserved, you can remind yourself, your critic doesn't know the half of it. <laughs> you are way worse than they know. But God knows it all. It's okay. He accepts us sins and flaws and all. Romans chapter 5 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's where we find full acceptance. Jesus offers it to us. But there's a catch. And the catch is this. It's not enough for us to know that Jesus is willing to accept us. 
we have to accept Jesus. John chapter 1 says, To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. The Christian life starts by believing what Jesus said about himself. He said that he came to seek and to save lost sheep like us. But then we have to accept him. And accepting Jesus means giving up a self-directed life and learning how to live under his leadership. That will open the doorway to our becoming the adopted children of God. If you're not a Christian, or maybe you think you never could be, please look at what Jesus said in John chapter 6. He said, whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. He will always accept us if we accept him. Even Christians need to be reminded of this. You see, we have this tendency, we will always have this tendency in this life to go back, to revert to a self-directed life. That's when our feelings of acceptance and our feelings of closeness to God take a hit. That self-critical commentary comes back. There's an accuser's voice that comes in on top of that. And we need to renew and rehearse our acceptance through confession and then resume following Jesus. We may be sheep, but we have a good shepherd who wants us to feel his full acceptance. Here's the second thing. By knowing Jesus, the good shepherd, we can gain confidence of ultimate security. Confidence of ultimate security. In World War II, my dad flew torpedo bombers from an aircraft carrier. Later, he moonlighted as a flight instructor. And sometimes when I was a little boy, he took me with him. His experience that I'd heard about landing these airplanes on the deck of an aircraft carrier that was tossing in the sea, uh, that gave him great confidence about his piloting abilities and his confidence gave me confidence his his uh one time we were flying through a very dangerous thunderstorm and we had zero visibility and we were in this tiny little four seat plane and guess what i did i fell sound i fell sound asleep i had such confidence that my father would get us through, and he did. You know, when you're a kid, you often think your dad's like Superman. And then as we grow up, we begin to see the flaws and limits that our parents have, our dads have. Some of you maybe learned that in painful ways, but the truth is nobody has a perfect earthly father, nobody. And when we feel disappointed, that disappointment is just a sign of our hunger for the only perfect father there is. Only God deserves our total confidence. Look at what Jesus says about him in verse 28 there of John 10. He says, I give my sheep eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And in verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. 
I and the Father are one. How strong are God's hands? They're strong enough to make the universe. They're strong enough to part the sea. They're strong enough to be nailed through to a cross and bear the weight of the world in the body of Jesus. God's grip is so powerful, Romans chapter 8 tells us, that nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing in life, nothing in death, not the devil, not hell, not even our own anxious hearts. This says that we are completely secure in God's love today and tomorrow. And this points us and gives us some, some insight into the nature of this thing Jesus calls eternal life. Eternal life is not just endless existence. We all have that anyway, everyone. The only question is where we'll have it. Is it going to be with God or without God? In John chapter 10, uh, verse 10, Jesus says there's a thief. That's the devil. He, he comes to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants, us to, he wants us to be miserable now and miserable for eternity. But Jesus says, I came that the sheep may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is the kind of life that God intended for us. We can enjoy this more and more as we grow to know Jesus better as our good shepherd. What can help us with this? Well, he tells us in verse, verses 17 and 18. Look at it. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is talking about his own resurrection from the dead. That's one of the reasons we look at this story during the Easter season. The Father had given Jesus the plan, the charge. And Jesus was so confident in his Father's plan that he knew nothing, nothing could threaten his life until it was his hour to die. That's what he called it. It was his appointment with the cross. One way that we deepen our confidence in Jesus is to use these imaginations that God has used us, sanctified imagination that God has given us. And we use them to prayerfully put ourselves into these gospel accounts of Jesus' life. And we think and feel what it might have been like to be with him so that we can learn how to trust him no matter what kind of storms may hit us in life. And one of my go-to uh, stories, uh, one of my favorites, is in Mark chapter 4. You may remember the story. Jesus and his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee, and this, this storm suddenly comes up, this violent storm, and it threatened to sink the boat. And the disciples started freaking out. But what was Jesus doing? He was sound asleep. He had complete confidence that no matter what, his life was in the Father's hands. With a word, Jesus, because he and the Father are one, he was able to stop the storm. Jesus wants us to share his complete confidence that our ultimate security 
is in the Father's hands. And here's the last one, number three. You and I can hear from Jesus. We can communicate with him. He communicates with us. You know, another word for uh, prayer is just talking with God. And just about everybody prays. I don't care if they're religious or Christian, they, whether they think they're spiritual or not. People in the right circumstances, almost all of them pray. But the question for you today is this. What is your praying like? What's it like? Is it more than an upload of today's worries, hoping that you can convince God to make things go the way you think they need to go? Jesus said that his sheep listen. Verse 27 says this, My sheep hear my voice. We can hear Jesus' voice. But the question is, do we take time for it? Do we take time to listen? You may have heard the background on this image that, that uh, two flocks of sheep can come together and get all mixed up, and then when it's time for them to separate, each of their shepherds calls to them, and they, they perfectly separate and follow their master. Learning to discern Jesus' voice in that way is the primary way that we grow in confidence that we actually belong to him. And it is also the way that we show him our love. You see, there are a few things uh, more valuable, no bigger gifts, so few gifts that you can give somebody than giving a listening ear to them. Uh, sometimes my wife, this happens a lot at breakfast because I'm thinking about the day. Um, my wife will stop, Claire will stop right in the middle of something she's saying, and I might not even know it. Um, and she'll say something like, where are you? <laughs> she can tell that my mind is a million miles away. Loving her well requires that I give her my attention. Well, let's think a little bit about how we communicate with God. There are three parts to this communication about how we hear from him. Uh, the first one is he feeds us. Uh, he feeds us. And look at verse 9. It says, uh, his sheep find pasture. That's grass, so they can eat something. And let me tell you some ways G Jesus feeds us. He, he speaks to us in several ways. He feeds us through Scripture. He said in, uh, in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 4 that uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. Scripture is the most reliable way, the most reliable way for us to hear from God. And it is essential if we are going to know how to live the abundant life to be familiar with Scripture. I had a woman sit straight-faced in my office one day and tell me that God wanted her to divorce her husband because he was boring. And I said, that wasn't God. I said, the Bible sometimes does permit divorce in some circumstances, but being boring is not one of them. How do we feed on Scripture? How do we listen to God through Scripture? We do it through our own Bible reading and, and study. That's obvious. 
but we also do it through gifted Bible teachers and preachers. We do it with the family of God as we, we huddle together in smaller groups to reflect on me messages like this and to discuss them and, and help each other apply the truth of God to our lives. Jesus feeds us also um, at the communion table. He meets us here. He, he speaks to us spiritually. You know, the sacraments are called visible words. The bread and wine speak to our hearts about the body and blood of Jesus offered for us. He also speaks to us through what I'd call the book of creation. Romans chapter 1 says, His invisible nature and divine power can be clearly seen in creation. Creation, the heavens declare his glory, the Bible says. We also have uh, him speaking to us in a way that leads us. That's another way. When we accept Jesus, we receive the indwelling Holy Spirit, who's also called the Spirit of Jesus. Romans chapter 8 says the children of God are led by his Spirit. Well, how does the Spirit lead? How does he speak to us in such a way that we can follow him? Well, it's not usually audibly, uh, but he does come to us through impressions and thoughts. And this leading is, is harder, harder to discern uh, than Scripture is. But here's the thing. God will never contradict what he's spoken already in Scripture. You know, I'm sure that woman felt led to di divorce her boring husband. But she was not being led by God. Uh, it may have been her own flawed heart that she was listening to, or it could be the devil who suggests things to us. The name for that is temptation. Sometimes the Lord speaks to us through dreams when we're asleep uh, or through visions when we're awake. Um, I believe God speaks to me quite often in dreams. Uh, the closest thing to a vision that, uh, that I've ever received was when I had been praying for quite a while about finding a new job. Uh, I was at work on my present job, and uh, somebody had left a newspaper uh, on one of the desks near me, and it was opened up to a help-wanted section. And, and I, I noticed that there was something that almost looked like a flashlight shining on one of the ads in that help-wanted section. I ended up applying for that job and getting it and it was a necessary link in a long chain of events and that if that were taken away I would not be here today it was God leading me through that now we should never be too dogmatic about anything that's not in scripture Paul compared our spiritual vision to looking at ourselves in one of these crummy mirrors they had really crummy mirrors back when Paul was around and we couldn't really, you couldn't see yourself very well. The image was not very clear. He goes on to say that one day we will know with perfect clarity. So until then, we have to be humble. God also leads us through godly counselors. These are people with a spiritual gift of wisdom who've learned how to listen to the shepherd and to share what they hear uh, with us. And there are circumstances. God does speak through circumstances. Scripture calls these open and closed doors. 
These are the least reliable and should never be the primary way that we try to hear from God. But we do know that God clearly orchestrates the events of our lives and we need to pay attention to them. Finally, the true, true test of a real relationship with the Good Shepherd is that we follow the shepherd. We actually obey what he leads us to do. He says, look verse 27 again, my sheep hear and they follow. They hear and they follow. It's only a relationship with Jesus if you're responding and following, to him, following him. So I should ask here, do you do what God says? We'll never be confident that we're his sheep if we don't do that. His sheep follow him, he says. Hearing the good shepherd as he feeds and leads and then following him is indispensable to the Christian life. And as I said, it is the very best way to show you that you love him, show him that you love him. At the end of John's first letter, he wrote these words. I write this letter to you who believe in the Son of God so that you will know that you have eternal life. It's just, just like Paul's prayer. John wrote to people who already believed because he wanted them to know beyond knowing. Know beyond knowing that they belong to Jesus. God wants you to feel his acceptance. He wants you to be confident that you're securely in his hands and he wants you to learn how to hear his voice these are the gifts and marks of being under the leadership of the good shepherd will you pray with me please almighty father thank you that you have been so good to us that even though you know what we're like you paid an extremely high price to buy us for yourself Lord, help us to love you in a way that's appropriate to your great gift for us. Help us to follow you. Help us to share your good news with a world that longs to know this heavenly Father who's the only perfect one there is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.